We can all get a little judgy at times. I mean, admit it. Like, you've looked at somebody on social media and you formed an opinion. We're swiping and we're scrolling. We're not liking. We're ignoring based on someone's follower count or the kind of content that they produce. And we, as a culture, are taking judging a book by its cover to a whole new digital level. Like, it's crazy. And that's why I'm excited to have someone like Carolina Millan on the show today. She is a social media expert, but she's also a human. But unlike scrolling and swiping, the only way that we can figure that out is by asking some questions. And I hope that you enjoy listening to her story. And I'm certain that you can learn something from it. What happens when you combine business, pop culture, and at least five analogies to ballroom dancing? You get Off the Floor, a podcast to help you get to that next step in your career or your tango. Here's our host, Chris Lynham. So I want to introduce my next guest on Off the Floor. This is Carolina, and I need to pronounce this correctly, Mian. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. You're like, más o menos. <laughs> no, that was perfect. Oh, good. My brother speaks fluent Spanish, and I don't. I just know enough to be able to sit and watch telenovelas with him from time to time when we were younger, but that's about it. <laughs> so uh, That's cool, that's cool. Well, if you can't tell already, she's she's from Argentina. She's a vlogger. She's a she's an influencer online. She's a keynote speaker and a writer. And she just started a podcast, too, called Beyond the Hustle. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Just one small mistake there. What is it? <laughs> I'm from Chile. Chile. Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> My geography teacher right now just stumbled over a curb and has a has a gaping head wound because of that. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh I, I am knocked down I am knocked down on the floor right now. <laughs> oh, that was a very, very intense punch. Oh man. I, I believe that. <laughs> she is from Chile. I'm keeping all of that. There are gonna be no edits on that. <laughs> no problem. So um well first Carolina, why don't you just kind of explain a little bit about like your origin story, like what got you to this point and um and then and then we'll take it from there. Absolutely. Well, um, I've been in the entrepreneurial world since, uh, I would say I started in late 2008, but it didn't really take off until 2011, 2012. So the first few years was just intense uh, learning and uh, balancing things. I had a job at the time and it was my very first job. I was 23, 24 years old when I graduated from university and then I went, I got a job like, like they tell you to do. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, just a word of warning. I live next to a, an important Avenue and every now and again, you will hear motorcycles or ambulances. So <laughs> not to worry. Guess what? I live in a crazy household of lots of children. So you may hear a cranky baby in the background. So, all right. It's it, part of it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, um, so I had a job. I, I, I went to university. I, I studied um, business management and I got a job in human resources. I enjoyed it. I had a good relationship with everybody. It was an international company and I always loved languages. So I got to speak English all day and meet people from all over the world. And, and that was fun. And until it wasn't uh, like a few months into it. <laughs> and it wasn't that the job wasn't fun, but uh, it was, you know, what what comes along with having a job, you know, all of the restrictions, uh, limited holidays, uh, having other people telling me how much I'm worth. 
And that's what drew me to look for alternatives. And I still remember one day I was sitting at my desk. This was, I don't know, August or September 2008, six months into my job. And a colleague offered me uh, to get into a multi-level marketing company. And I had heard of those things before. I remember attending a meeting once and I felt like it was a cult or something. Yeah. So I ran away. <laughs> but then she approached me and, and, and I said, okay. Okay, okay, I'll take another look at this thing. And it was exciting. It looked good and and that was probably my first really my, my first attempt at doing something for myself. And obviously I failed. <laughs> so she told me, you know, the usual thing that they tell in the uh, multi-level marketing companies is they tell you to recruit everybody around you, your family, your friends, your acquaintances, people you never talked to. And I quickly realized that was not the way to go. So I went on Google and I started researching and then I discovered the concept of attraction marketing, which I had obviously five years and a half studying business. Nobody ever told me about that kind of marketing. I learned the traditional type of marketing. So everything that I know and use today has nothing to do with my formal education. So I went on Google and I started self-educating myself and started following some experts, some gurus. And that's how I got into social media. That was late 2008. I got on Twitter and I started implementing what they said. You know, you want to attract people to you instead of chasing them. You want to attract the prospects to you, get people to ask you what you do instead of you offering and pitching. And I liked the idea of that because I hated the hard sell approach you know i hated pitching people i wanted it to be the other way and it sounded too good to be true at first but then a few years later it started working mm. um so yeah that was my that was my first approach i tried that for some time i started getting some really good traction on twitter uh that was my favorite network that was the first network i used professionally besides linkedin and i started getting some attention people started following me i started getting local news channels approaching me because they were like, hey, why do you have so many followers? And to put this into perspective, back in 2009, um, 3,000 followers was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There were no celebrities on Twitter, at least no local celebrities. So it was easier to stand out. And, and I did, and, and I really took advantage of that opportunity as a marketing and digital marketing expert. I kept learning and reading, and, and I started buying online courses. And ultimately, that's what allowed me to quit my job two years later. In uh, mid-2010, I was able to quit my job. I had enough clients that were asking me for social media marketing advice and services and stuff. And that was like the beginning of where I am today. That's wonderful. And so what I what I hear overall is that you didn't just you weren't just out there pushing and that transposes so well into so many different avenues that, you know, that you did enough and you kept continuing to refill the tank and you kept continuing to invest in yourself to and I love that attraction marketing that alternative to that real push-based salesy, you know, the hard pitch kind of approach. So so Twitter was like the platform where, where it really started to kind of garner some attention. But when was the point where you actually started to believe? I think we, we all kind of suffer from the imposter syndrome in whatever we do. What was the point where you kind of got beyond the imposter syndrome and really felt like, I, I am a legitimate expert at this? Was there a mm-hmm. point where that started to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And for me, I was never a fan of, of the fake it till you make it. Like a lot of people were talking about that back then yeah hey you know just pretend that you know about this pretend you're an expert and i never really called myself an expert i wanted to position myself as an expert
expert, but I never put in my profile social media expert or anything like that. It was really frowned upon when people did that because it was like, oh, really? So you you have a social media profile and now you're an expert, you know? Uh, <laughs> So I didn't like that. And so I never called myself an expert until other people started to recognize me as such. When people started approaching me, actually, I never even offered like while I, while I was at my job, I was not even offering my social media services or anything. I had people asking me because they saw what I was doing with my own account, with my personal brand. And that's how I got like a couple of restaurants asking me for help and stuff. So when people started approaching me, when I saw that this attraction marketing thing was was real, like, okay, this is working. Like I'm adding value. I'm posting stuff that I know I'm reading and then I'm posting what I learned. I started my own blog uh, in Spanish originally back then. (laughs) And then people started coming to me. Hey, it looks like, you know, this stuff. Can you help me? So then I, it, it, it really helped my confidence that that happened. But then I still didn't really believe it that much until, you know, 2012, 2013, like when I started, quote unquote, exploding internationally, like when I started getting people from other countries approaching me and uh, in other languages. And, you know, I think that was the moment where I felt like I had really accomplished something. Yeah. And that I could really have the confidence to to continue to grow and and, and continue to to add value and, and achieve my 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 true goals, which I was still a bit far from. So I think that was a moment. That's wonderful. Well, and I think, you know, for us, you know, when it comes to if we just have to throw a little dance element in here, I think there's a lot of people that are out there that think that they can fake it till they make it when it comes to dance moves, right? And then a lot of people are out there yeah. doing push marketing when it comes to asking people to dance and they're but they're doing it without the skill set. And so what it sounds like is you sound like a lot of our clients that have really taken the time to invest in themselves and then use essentially like the skill development to, to create kind of like an attraction marketing campaign to how they look and feel as a dance partner. And I think that it doesn't you know surprise me that with all of the commitment that you've shown when maybe social media was not as sexy as it is now, the commitment that you've shown through those early years, which is weird thinking that 2008 and nine is early, right? Um, <laughs> I but know. It's, yeah, but it's really, it's really commendable. I think that that's, that's a wonderful testament to just, you know, what can be accomplished. Um, now, did you have any fears? Like when you finally did say, I'm going to quit my job, was that like one of the big goals? And, and then what was like the first few months of that? Like, you know, when you were kind of like out on your own? Well, yeah, uh, it took a lot of courage. Uh, I, I never before in my life had ever taken any risks anyway. <laughs> so, uh, you know, quitting my job was a very, very big decision for me. You know, I, I was, I, I had gotten used to the paycheck, right? But at the same time, what really motivated me to do that was the fact that I was missing out on so much opportunity because I had to ask for permission, you know, because I had a, a specific schedule because all the conferences were happening in a different city than where I lived and I couldn't travel every time I wanted to. All, all those limitations that I mentioned at the beginning, there was a moment where the cons were outweighing the pros of staying at my job. 
And of course, the money was one thing. I mean, I was okay. I, I didn't have a, I didn't need really a fancy lifestyle necessarily. I could pay my bills and everything. But um, I mean, I was still living at my parents' house. If I was living on my own, my, my salary would have, wouldn't have been enough to pay my mortgage and everything. I remember uh, it was at the beginning of 2010 or late 2009. Uh, there was a newspaper that contacted me for an article about, you know, geeky women who are smart and and you know smart and beautiful or smart and hot or something i don't remember <laughs> and and they contacted me and they they interviewed me over the phone and it was me and like three other girls and there was a photo shoot for the cover of the magazine and i missed it and so i have the magazine i'm inside the magazine but i'm not on the cover the other three girls are that was like really oh if i didn't have a job i would have gone there for the photo shoot and you know i wouldn't have had to ask for permission because I asked and I didn't get permission. <laughs> so I got tired of asking for permission in my life. Like I don't want to ask for permission anymore, you know, and today I barely ask anyone. I mean, maybe my husband, that would be it. And <laughs> not even like, I don't even ask him for permission for things. I just let him know, yeah. Hey, I'm going to this thing or Hey, I'm traveling or Hey, I'm doing this. And, and, and he's totally okay with that. That's so cool. I have to tell you just, just so you know, I know that we connected on Twitter probably, what, late last year or something. I was one of the other girls that was contacted for that photo shoot. I just want to put that out there. Full transparency. <laughs> Geeky and hot girls that uh, <laughs> love tech. So your husband sounds like he must be like a really cool guy. So how is he, you know, what's his response to all of this? And uh, and then does he consume any of your content? Or, or is it just kind of, you know, is he just a support? Like, how would you describe your dynamic? Mm-hmm. Well, at the very beginning, he was not very involved in what I do at all. He, he, he also has his own business. He has a tourism agency over here and they do private tours for, for people in, you know, in Chile. I mean, people who come from abroad and they want to visit Chile. So he, he was definitely not into, you know, uh, video marketing or affiliate marketing or any of those things. But the past year and a half, he started, he actually started watching my content. Now he, he, he started uh, participating more in my videos and my vlogs. At the beginning, he didn't want to be in, and now he's in it. Whenever I'm here in my home office and he's, you know, has some downtime, he's like, oh, I'm watching the last few episodes of your vlog that I missed out on. You got to tell me, though. Now, does it did it make you freak out a little bit? Like, my wife has tuned in. I do, like, an Instagram live in the mornings, and every when I see her name pop up, I get, like, a little freaked out. Did you get a little freaked out when he first was watching? Yes, yes. I still get a little freaked out. I get, like, I get really embarrassed um, like I couldn't, I couldn't watch my video next to him. Like I'm okay if he watches it without me watching it at the same time. You know what I mean? Yes. Totally. Um, but yeah, it still freaks me out. Like I get really embarrassed. Uh, and I, for example, I would never want my parents to watch any of my stuff. I would really, <laughs> I would get really embarrassed. Luckily they're not on social media. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, 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 when, when people are really close to you, watch your stuff, I don't know. It's weird. Like I, I'm okay with the whole world watching me, but not my, my, uh, the people who are closest to me. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I guess that speaks to just that you've, you've successfully created a persona, but also like that social media is a little bit like, especially with you being a personality on, on YouTube and, and all these other platforms, it's kind of like your diary, right? Mm-hmm. Actually. Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes, Sometimes I share really personal stuff. And uh, I mean, my, my rule is, 
never share something that you wouldn't want your grandma to see. <laughs> um, uh, I only have one grandma and she's, well, she's not doing very well, but it, you know, it's an expression. <laughs> but um, that's exactly it. Um, I, I've been sharing, you know, I share a lot of marketing content, social media and my travels and everything, but I, I, I like getting personal as well because I think that's what really gets you closer to an audience is when you show who you really are and without any filters or trying to pretend uh, to be something you're not like authenticity, transparency, those are core values for, for me. And, and I do my best to have that reflect on everything that I do. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about like, you know, doing keynotes and just getting a chance to travel and speak. And so, so tell me about like your first keynote and like, what kind of a big deal was that to you? And then what was going through your, your mind and your body as you were preparing for it? Well, uh, my first keynote was very embarrassing. Um, well, Actually, well, my first live keynote, like in person, before yeah. that, I remember uh, it was the end of 2010, the end of 2010. Yeah, I was contacted by a Canadian organization and they were really curious about how uh, in Chile we used Twitter and social media to find missing people after the earthquake. We had a really big earthquake in 2010. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and and uh, it, there was like an earthquake in Haiti in January, and then February it hit us even harder than the one in Haiti. <laughs> wow. But we were way more prepared. Like Chile is, is is well prepared for earthquakes, so it was very serious, but not as destructive as it would have been in other countries. But we still had like I don't know, maybe um I don't remember the death toll, but it was high, maybe eight hundred people, close wow. to a thousand. I don't know. And a lot of people got lost because there were tsunamis, Whoa. and so some people were dragged by the tsunamis or the, the, their houses were washed away. So there were a lot of missing people. And Google developed this this Google search tool for people who found people and for people who were looking for people to like kind of match, like, oh, I found this person and oh, I'm looking for that person. And they would match it and help you find people. And Twitter, same thing. Everybody was like, okay, I'm looking for this person. This is their name. This is the last time we saw them, etc. That's when Twitter really gained popularity in Chile. Wow. Massive popularity because it was used for that. And and there was a company uh, or an organization in Canada that saw this and they reached out to me because they found me on LinkedIn. I don't know how they found me anymore, but um, they wanted me to talk about it. Like they wanted me to talk about the impact of social media in Latin America, specifically in Chile. And I did the keynote. They didn't have any uh, resources to fly me to Canada. So we did it online, like over Skype. Okay. And that was that was my very first keynote. It was nice. Uh, I could see everybody in the room. They could see me. And I shared what I knew, but I had no, like, I had no speaking skills or, I mean, public speaking skills, I mean. But I remember that people enjoyed it. And then my first, like, actual keynote was uh, at a local event, like a social media event in Santiago in Chile. And there were like 400 people or something. And so on top of it, I was I was sick and nervous. <laughs> um, but still, a lot of people commented on Twitter and, and Facebook that that my keynote was their favorite out of the oh, whole thing. That's great. So leading up to that, so you're getting sick. Do you feel like being you got sick because maybe you're so stressed out about the about the talk? Probably, yeah, probably. I was I was a little bit stressed out because I, I was very, very self-conscious. And back then, I mean, I, I've never been someone who cares too much about looks. Like I, I, I don't, I don't dress fancy. I don't wear makeup. But back then, I was even worse. Like I almost dressed like a guy. Like, 
like I, I didn't I didn't like my curves to show or anything I was very embarrassed of my of my own body I don't know wow. I don't know why but I've gotten a bit better there hey, that's great um but yeah the, but but I was like okay maybe I should have dressed up for this because I arrived and all the speakers were wearing suits and very oh, like, yeah. you know dressed up and I was like okay jeans and, and the shirt <laughs> Uh, but I was I was proving a point that you had to be authentic and and so some people criticized me because oh you were you're talking about personal branding and look at what you were wearing and then I was like yeah because that's who I am I'm not gonna wear a costume you know just to have people think differently of me you know this is who I am and even though my sense of fashion has improved <laughs> uh, I still maintain I still maintain that you know, that posture that, you know, be who you are and your personal brand is not a, you're not playing a part. It's not theater. It's sure. supposed to be congruent at home, uh, at an event. And when people meet me in person, they're like, wow, you're just like your videos. Thank you. Because that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to prove. That's cool. So now let's talk really quickly. Well, what was the turning point for you from a fashion standpoint? Was it like, did you finally see enough videos where you're like, oh my gosh, I need to make some changes? Or was it like, did somebody pull you aside and say like, you know, <laughs> I'm from Estee Lauder and we're going to talk or how did that go? <laughs> Not really. Like, um, it, it's, it actually started a few years ago. I was in a crisis. I, we were not married yet. Uh, we actually got married like six months ago only. Oh, wow. Uh, but in my relationship, yeah, <laughs> we were in a, in a little crisis. We almost broke up and he's French. So he, he flew back to France for a couple months just to figure out what he wanted. And in the meantime, I stayed here and I was really miserable. And so I didn't eat for a while. <laughs> And I lost a little bit of weight and I discovered that, hey, I look better with this extra, like with this minus this extra kilograms. <laughs> and and I don't know, that motivated me to buy nicer clothes. Like I, I, I remember I, I had to run away from here. I was really not depressed, but I was really sad and I couldn't be in, in the apartment on my own thinking that it was all over. And I remember I talked to a friend in New York City. I said, can I please come visit you in your New York City? I need to get out of here. And he took me shopping. And <laughs> so you can imagine shopping yeah. in New York City. Oh, wow. So that, that's it. That, that's the story. I wish it was more glamorous than that. But it was uh, it was it started with like a um, uh, personal crisis and, and then it turned into something positive. And then we got back together and it's been so much better like the last few years than it was before. It was no, actually I, a good thing. I think I mean, I just really believe that those like crisis points are really, you know, it feels like this big dip. But I really feel like it's kind of like it's it's the it's always the gateway to like the next level, you know? And I think it's so cool what you said. It sounds like, like, and I'm just putting this together, but it sounds like maybe the, when you had the extra pounds, like you said, or kilos, that that was kind of like a, like security or, or comfort. And, and then when that was kind of stripped away from you through that, you know, that transitional point in your relationship, you know, that it really kind of maybe did it like release something from you. Like, it sounds like it just, yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it, it just gave me a sense of, you know, because, you know, sometimes you're in a relationship and you're in a comfort zone for a while. Like you don't feel like you don't like you need to do anything extra, you know, and yeah. that's so wrong. And we were we were in, in that cycle where where we were together just because we were together, you know, mm -hmm. and 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 then looking back at this at this crisis that we went through, it was actually for the better. I mean, sometimes to build something, you have to tear it down. Yeah. And that's kind of what we did. And and it 
went through like it was like a spiritual experience and then a physical experience because I found that hey I found myself even more comfortable with my body with myself um and and also you know this is silly but the thought of going back into the quote-unquote marketplace I thought oh my god I need to look good if I if I have to find another boyfriend <laughs> so it, it was like one of the thoughts in my head but it was never on purpose like I said I was so sad I couldn't I just couldn't eat I don't know if you've ever been so sad that oh my you god just can't eat. you just described so, like yeah. my first my first post high school relationship was just just completely devastated me and my comfort zone my like retreat was basketball and so i remember playing basketball in my front yard and by the end of the day my hands were were just dark as i mean they were just black and i couldn't even see the ball anymore and i just i i was in that kind of like self destructive just absolutely devastated sort of mode and um and yeah i know exactly what that's like and but i'm really happy and it sounds like you went through the same thing is that i'm i'm glad that i I had something like that happen early on rather than like having that because really what it did is it, it exposed my true confidence and I really didn't have a lot of it. And so mm-hmm. I was using this relationship as like a mechanism for feeling like I was much better than I really felt like I was. And um, and so I had to, like you said, you had to tear it down to build it back up. And I think that what's cool about this too is that you use like self-discovery like it wasn't somebody forcing you if so if your friend had forced you to go shopping and it wasn't your Mm. idea i doubt you would have gone shopping even if it was new york exactly no no i knew i needed some kind of escape and and not, not to escape my problems but to really start something over like i needed to get away and and figure figure myself out and it was it was such a great experience because i i went there my friend is chinese and he he has like a like a master over there like a tao master i don't know if you've heard about the tao this, yeah. this chinese wisdom yeah and he took me to visit his master who is also chinese i didn't understand what he was saying to me but my friend would translate and i started reading the the, the tao i started reading the you know all of this stuff this chinese wisdom that i never heard of because i was raised catholic down here we don't have that sure. and and it opened up so many so many things and like i said spiritually emotionally um so it was actually a great great trip uh, a great moment to uh, i mean of self-discovery and ultimately that's also what revived our relationship like so it, it's crazy like when i look back it's like i'm grateful for the whole thing even though i went through hell um it was worth it <laughs> that is so cool okay so speaking of new york we have to bring this up because you know i think from a distance and from the outside people could say oh gosh you're you're just so lucky like some of the people that you've had a chance to meet um and mm-hmm. and so but i have to talk about one really incredible day for you in new york and let me get this straight so you got a chance to meet gary vaynerchuk and on the same day you met tony robbins is that correct not exactly uh i had met gary a couple times before um by the time i met tony and the thing is i was in new york city this was february of 2017 and i had already been to several of tony robbins seminars he was also another key ingredient uh that helped me get out of that crisis back then i got heavily into tony um so i went to all of his seminars like literally all of them nice (laughs) gave him a lot of money um and and I remember I was in New York with some friends 
I had no idea that Tony Robbins was in New York or that he was going to be there. And I checked Twitter in the morning and Gary announces that Tony is going to be his guest at the Ask Gary Beach uh, show. And I'm like, what? This is perfect timing. So my friends and I go all the way to Gary's office and we just waited outside, waited, waited until Tony came out. And that's how I met him. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so... But Gary didn't come out. <laughs> oh, got it. Got it. And he's... How tall is Tony Robbins? He's a pretty tall dude, right? Oh, wow. Yes. I don't know. Probably two meters. I don't know what that is in inches. And... <laughs> yeah. I, I Sorry. Don't... I don't know your system. <laughs> we'll just call that giant. He's a giant. <laughs> so... He's a giant. He has really gigantic hands. Um, <laughs> but like his hands can cover my entire head, I think. <laughs> but he's like a big teddy bear you know like he's so sweet and he was so humbled when i told him i went to every seminar that he changed my life and it was amazing like wow. it was really a dream come true that is so cool okay i want to ask you some rapid fire questions now now it's time for rapid fire questions okay are you ready yeah sure okay so give me one place everyone should visit in chile just one yeah. Like if I had to pick one spot to go to, maybe with your husband's tour group, like what, what would be something that maybe is off the beaten path that is an absolute must see? Uh, well, well, definitely Patagonia. Like uh, it's, it's my favorite part of Chile in the south of Chile, in the mountains. We have volcanoes, active volcanoes. Uh, it, it's beautiful. We have lakes. And so you can you can actually go to the beach and go skiing at the same place. Wow. <laughs> I think I saw that on a on a cooking show or something on Netflix. Um, Patagonia looks totally beautiful. It's amazing. I mean, like it's a really large region, and it's also in Argentina as well. But the Chilean part, I would say, if you've never come to Chile, you should go to Pucón. It's a specific city that we really love, and we bought land there as well to build a house. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Okay, what is a book that you have recommended or bought for people the most? Uh, well, there's a book that I always give to my uh, my clients, and it has to be Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. Nice. All right. Mm -hmm. And then um, if you could go back to high school and give yourself a note or a pep talk to kind of change and maybe audit or, or edit, I should say, one maybe embarrassing moment or, or maybe a turning point moment, what would be that moment? Like to tell myself about, about something in the future? Or yeah, I mean, not like, you know, hey, invest in Google, but like, you know, like something like maybe maybe it was like a, a missed opportunity, something where you could have maybe made, made a little adjustment that probably would have had a positive oh. impact on your life. Yeah. YouTube. I got on YouTube in 2005 and I uploaded my first videos in 2006. And if I had taken it seriously back then, I would be I would be one of those YouTube stars with millions of subscribers. But I didn't take it seriously enough. <laughs> I am I totally believe what you're talking about. I I am kicking myself for some of that stuff. How about uh, last one? Who has been? So you got your new your new podcast, Beyond the Hustle. Who has been your absolute favorite guest so far? If you had to pick one. Oh, oh that's hard. Well, probably. Well, I mean, I love all the people I've interviewed, but probably the most valuable interview is the one I'm posting today with with Nick Halleck. He's an entrepreneur. He's a lifestyle entrepreneur from Australia, but he lives in the U.S. and he's been to 140, 45 countries or something. Uh, he's amazing. He's smart, kind. And I think people are going to love that one. That's so cool. All right. Now you get to share the final thought. So what would you say would be a message for anybody that is maybe contemplating going through like a, a struggle, contemplating trying to level up their confidence, 
maybe they're at that fork in the road where they can make the pivot towards something a little bit more challenging or they can kind of stick with their comfort zone. What would be your message to all of them? One thing I learned about the comfort zone is that it's an illusion. Like you think you're in a comfort zone, you think you are safe but that doesn't exist. You're either moving forward or backwards. There's no, like, not not moving, you know? Um, so if you start feeling too comfortable, immediately find a way to get out of that situation. Um, for me, when, I'm, when I find myself in a comfort zone, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, how, how, do I, how do I get out of this? Uh, I need to get out of this, you know? And with the opportunities today, like I wish, I wish in 2008, I had really taken more action. I took a lot of action when I got started, but it didn't take massive action. If I had taken massive action 10 years ago, I don't know where I'd be. I, w- I would be another, you know, I would be a Tony Robbins or maybe I would be a Gary Vee. Um, but I have no regrets either way. I have no regrets. Uh, but if you are at that crossroads right now and you're figuring things out, go for it. Find Find something that you're truly passionate about. And when it comes to self-confidence, don't wait for external validation. It has to really come from within. People people in today's economy, they, they always want others to validate everything. Oh, nobody liked this video, so it's probably bad. Nobody liked this photo, so it sucks, you know? And and that's just not not the best way to live your life, depending so much on other people's opinions. So keep doing what you're doing, and and if you're passionate about it, if you get good at it, the you know the rest, the, the likes or the praise or whatever will come as a consequence. But that shouldn't be the, the driving force. That's wonderful. Well, this has been Carolina Mian. She is actually from Chile. I don't know if you guys knew this, but she's from Chile and not Argentina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to start some street fight. Um, but she. this has been so much fun getting a chance to get to know your story. And um, why don't you tell everyone where they can follow along your path and, and kind of pick up some of your content? Well, definitely. Well, uh, to connect with me when when we're, I'm most active right now, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, uh, all of them the same username, Carolina Millan. Millan is spelled with double L, Milan, double L. And obviously my podcast, you, know, you can subscribe on under uh, beyondthehustle.com and tweet me, tweet me. I'm, I'm always on Twitter. I'm always, always replying. And um, I would love to hear from some, some of you guys. My blog is a little bit outdated, but we are remodeling my blog. That's why it's not up to date, but it's carolinamilan.net. That's my English blog. And if you do have any Spanish speaking people listening, it's uh, .com. That would be my, my Spanish website. Nice. Very cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Carolina. I really appreciate you making the time. Thank and, you, Chris. Uh, you're welcome. This was uh, really a lot of fun. You know, it's really easy to get complacent. You know, your comfort zone is trying to suffocate the ambition out of you. And I think Carolina is such a great example of what can happen when you break out of that and when you challenge the status quo, when you look it right in the eye and when you say to yourself, sometimes you need to tear it down to build it back up. I thought that was such a great message from Carolina. Maybe you need to tear down like your outlook at work. Maybe you need to tear down that little voice in your head that's telling you that you're not good enough. Maybe you need to tear down your default approach with your significant other and then build something back up in the image that you really want to see and just stop accepting the status quo. I hope that you're enjoying Off the Floor. If you are, please hit the subscribe button. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you.